0: everybody. This is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. It's May 31st, and I'm sitting down with uh, my buddy Spencer today, Spencer Michaud, and we're going to talk about the astrology of June. There's a whole bunch of transits coming up this month. Um, some of the bigger transits of the month really coming in the next few months with eclipse season also uh, coming up. There's so much to talk about, and I really enjoyed a recent conversation sort of interview that I did with Spencer, and so I thought it would be really fun to have Spencer join me and talk about the transit since he's Often uh, journaling and furiously noting all sorts of interesting connections. Um, And so uh, I thought this would be a fun, yeah, fun way to talk about the transits. Thanks for being here, Spencer.
1: Hey, thanks, Adam. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Furiously notating is a good way to describe it.
0: You, You have like beautiful handwriting, too. Like, I always, every time I see your, um, your notes displayed like someone has usually commented on your handwriting so i I will say that i've also really admired your handwriting
1: (laughs) yeah i spent uh, most of the last couple days like you know making detailed notes like Probably way too many. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, you know, it get, it's, it, I always tell people, um, you know, when we're studying astrology, like in, when, I, when I was first studying astrology and starting to track transits, one of the things that I did quite frequently was I, I kept a lunar journal just about every day. And I would track the aspects from the moon to other planets. And just see if I could um, notice any of the lunar, you know, significations hitting the other planets, kind of syncing up. Like, oh, Mar, you know, Moon opposed Mars, and like the the waitress at the diner was like really pissed off at me, or seemed like she was in a bad mood, or you know, Moon up- opposed or Moon was opposed to Mercury, and like you know, my internet went out, or you know, just whatever might have been happening. And it was really effective. Like it was a really amazing way to to start learning astrology.
1: Oh, absolutely. You you should see my the margins of my journal. <clears throat> it looks like uh, you know that scene in The Beautiful Mind where you've got all the little calculations going across his eyes. That's what the margins of my uh, the paper of my journals look like with yeah. all the transits and stuff. But you're right, it's a great way to track and to see to apply it to the events that are happening in your life. It's extremely useful if you're going back in time too, to be able to kind of learn from that experience. Um that's where it really becomes
0: like, you know, worth its weight in gold absolutely um well should we dive in and talk about let's talk about it. june's astrology yeah all right cool um so uh the first the first big transit that i have on my list this month um is the new moon on june 3rd what about you yeah that's my that's my first we thing. start there yeah. all right let me get let me get it queued up here i'm gonna kind of rewind the charts so we have them together yeah there we go so you can see them here. Uh, you should be able to see them. Spencer, can you see them together? Yep. Okay, yep. perfect. So here's the new moon. You can always tell the new moon because the sun and moon are conjoined at the same degree. A new moon starts the beginning of a lunar cycle. So every month it's an important thing to look at. It's in Gemini right? And Mercury is in its home sign as this new moon in Gemini is happening, which is kind of auspicious just because when a moon cycle has a good relationship at the outset to its host, it's kind of like we're going on a journey together and I'm at the outfitters getting all of my gear and the, you know, the, the right guys in the shop to help me get everything I need to start this adventure. Um, so, it it seems auspicious that, you know, Mercury is is there um, but this this new moon is also part of a, a pretty elaborate configuration. I mean, it's immediately activating a T-square to Jupiter and Neptune. And this T-square is going to be around all month. Like, I'll just run people through a few other dates. Like on the 9th and 10th, the Sun will oppose Jupiter and square um, uh, Neptune. Um, then then on the 17th, the full moon, which we'll get to later, will activate this T-square again in Sagittarius. Then Venus in Gemini eventually will move through this T-square on the 22nd, 23rd, if I remember correctly. So, this T-square all month long is getting activated by all of these planets in Gemini. The moon cycle itself is activating this T-square. A T-square, for those who don't know, is uh, where you have a, a bunch of planets opposing one another and then a focal point planet 90 degrees apart from either of the sides of the opposition sort of squaring both so we call it a t square in this case the jupiter neptune square is long standing because it, it's they're both very slow moving planets so jupiter and neptune are squaring one another and then getting you know all of these oppositions from planets in in gemini like all month long from the beginning of this new moon on the 3rd all the way through you know, beyond the summer solstice on the 21st. So it's re- one, of, one of the major stories of the month is this T-square. Um, there's a lot to say about it. Maybe you want to start off saying anything about it um, the new, really, or the new moon in general.
1: Yeah. I mean, that really looks like the, the, one of the main themes of the month, doesn't it? Like all of these planets are going to kind of take their turns going through the relationship with Neptune and Jupiter and each of the, I, I feel like all these planets going into Gemini is going to be, You know initiating new ideas and those ideas are going to need to be tested against reality versus uh you know the illusion or the or the dream and you know i'm seeing just that there's definitely a danger of like becoming too expansive too quickly with that and so it's to me that's one of the themes of the month is how do we uh implement our ideas in a way that is healthy and grounded
0: Right, yeah. I mean, like for example, Jupiter-Neptune is typically associated with cultural and imaginative exploration and expansion. So, when things happen that sort of take popular culture to um, a different place, so oftentimes, for example, through film, like through films like Avatar and The Matrix and, you know, in film, there's often great sci-fi and fantasy that sort of really sort of broadens our mind um, and takes us into a different galaxy or something like that. Um, I believe Star Wars initially came out under one as well. Um, but then you also have, um, you know, these, these moments of um, like scandal um, where, for example, one thing that has a, an association with Jupiter-Neptune contacts are, are steroid scandals in professional sports where the desire to get big, like Jupiter, and there's some there's some trickery, some deceit, some cheating, some illegal drug, and that's the the Neptune kind of. And so you have like people like Mark McGuire and I don't remember if Sammy Sosa was involved in that or not, but they were chasing that home run record in Barry the Bonds. Yeah, in Barry Bonds, right? In the in the nineties. And um and, you know, there was obviously there was this like this whole sort of doping scandal that emerged or like Lance Armstrong or was it no not Lance Armstrong is that the biker
1: yeah he was the the, the tour de tour de france biker that was doing like blood doping or something yeah. like that and he yeah. won like 7 tour de frances and then got caught cheating and fell from grace basically i mean right. i think this neptune jupiter thing that's that's a really great example cuz you've got someone using some kind of illicit substance to get bigger to expand yeah. You yeah it becomes exactly. stronger and more
0: you know and and it can go for other things too, like someone trying to sell you something that you don 't need or that is too much or that you're, you know you 're you're getting this big imaginative idea like i 'm going to build a i 'd like to live in a castle or you know like yeah. whatever the case might be and I think you 're right though that back to the gemini new moon you know scrutiny questions doubt um, careful thinking um that those are the mercurial functions that come in and and question and and add this kind of dynamic um, oppositional tension. Because even though Jupiter and and uh, Neptune are square with uh, Neptune in Jupiter's sign, they're more they're more like a pair, right? And the the, the real sort of tense oppositional energies coming from Mercury ruled Gemini.
1: Well, and the tension comes from questions of scale. You know, Mercury is concerned with the minutiae, whereas you know jupiter the grand vision and connecting and confirming so we've got all this destabilizing influence in gemini that wants to uh contest things ask the questions and jupiter's like i don't want all these questions right it's right. kind of like <laughs> you know i want to i want the answer and That's right. i want the the bridge to be built and there, you know we talk about in in your class uh the oppositions being the nature of saturn so there's a a constrictive influence there's a kind of a a no that's happening
0: on some level um right it's ideal except right right has that like it's ideal it's perfect except except but this one thing and then all of a sudden it's like polarized and you know and then the the thing i was talking about yesterday when i talked about up or yesterday the day before i talked about oppositions and um i think one of the things that's important with the oppositional tension of this t-square all month long is like you know some things are ideal and there's a but there's a there's a there's a qualifying concern and yet that doesn't mean that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater it, it it doesn't mean that the the dream has to crumble or that your vision has to be thrown out there I think sometimes the there's this false dichotomy there and we maybe this month is going to be in some ways be about learning to hold the the tension of our, our doubts or worries or those those kind of wrinkles in the plans that might come up and, and rather than throwing everything out just say oh this wrinkle might actually be a pathway into further elaborating or defining uh, more carefully the dreamer vision
1: I think that's a good uh, segue <clears throat> to like one little piece I wanted to add here um, you're talking about the doubts and the worries. Um, in the Thema Mundi, Gemini is associated with the twelfth house, uh, and I made a little video on this kind of a theory of mine. This isn't like well, so let me
0: let me before you go into it, let yeah. me just change the wheels so that we can yeah. put Cancer in the um, in the first place, right. and then we can see Gemini in the twelfth. Let me clear these. Okay, so this is what the yeah. Thema Mundi would look like if you were laying it out. This is this right. ancient classical chart that is sort of the chart of the cosmos in ancient astrology, and Cancer's on the ascendant. So you were just saying in this ideal uh, ancient chart, Gemini's in the 12th.
1: That's right. And there are some decanic associations with each 10 degree uh, section of each zodiac sign that are associated with the tarot card. And one of the things I started notice when I was studying that, uh, you know, I was reading some of Austin Kopic's work and whatnot, was some of the associations with the, the Thema Mundi, and the quality of that house so for example the gemini cards are swords and in the first decan of gemini actually the second decan here we have this card here i don't know if for those mm-hmm. of you who see it i'm sh- holding it up it's a person who's lying awake at night obviously having a nightmare or something like that show it to us uh, one more time yeah and it's so i just thought this was really fascinating because this is Associated with the 12th house of bad daimon or bad spirit, which was thought to be some kind of, oh, I don't know, kind of like conscience on your shoulder or voices in your head that are guiding you off the path. And this really speaks to, I think, the, the quality of per, perhaps uh, having too many choices, too many decisions, too, many, too much anxiety surrounding uh, which direction you want to go in life. Mm. i thought that was really cool and it's going to be opposing jupiter in sagittarius in the third decan of sagittarius which is associated with this card here the ten of wands which shows a man carrying a burden he's carrying the action burden out in the world so it's more about associations with the sixth house which was associated with bad 2k or fortune right Mm -hmm. which is about the actions that we have to take out in the world so to me, the the main theme of this new moon is, how are you going to reconcile your the, the inner with the outer and the the action that you take based on the ideas that you have? And I, I feel like uh, with Gemini, of course, they wanna scatter those seeds in many different directions. And I think many seeds will be planted. Um, I think the issue is how can, which ones of those are gonna bear fruit? Which ones are you willing to nurture to full fruition? uh how can you do it without getting overwhelmed with the scale of it um there's an example of this i had this idea about creating a a game for teaching ancient astrology and it turned into this thing like all right i'm gonna make 84 cards i'm gonna do all these illustrations i'm gonna make this huge gigantic like Dungeons and Dragons style, <laughs> like
0: like a, I'd like, I'd like to play that, that with like odd. a
1: million rules, which I think it could be cool. <laughs> but at the same, at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, that's going to take me forever, and the scale would be overwhelming. Uh-huh. So I'd have to figure out how to pare that down into a way to make it a fun, b. Uh, able to be absorbed into reality by by students or or anybody who wants to play something like that right. You can see already the tension between a good idea And how do we implement it without creating too much of a physical burden for us?
0: Right? right. Yeah, and the other the other thing that came to my mind when you were well First of all if there was ever to be an ancient astrology game mm-hmm. Uh, it would have to include the word dungeon in it. I think so yeah. yeah Yeah, so anyway um but going back to what you were the the two cards that you pulled the the decanic associations of the last decan of jupiter's in the last decan of sagittarius mercury's in the last decan of uh gemini they're opposing and a big part of the t-square of the month um i'll show you the decan associated with the last decan
1: of gemini too because it's a little bit different
0: oh wait no no it was a second second deck second with the, new moon. With the, new, with the moon. new moon yeah right um well the thing that came to my mind was um uh it was nine of wands wasn't it
1: uh ten of wands for ten the of
0: wands Jupiter, yeah a ten of wands so this idea of completion of trying Resistance to complete something mercury and and the of course. And that's the third decan of, third of Gemini. Decade. Yeah, Of course, so that's completion as well. So the fear, here's what I was picking up. And that, the, the, the last card makes sense as well. We'll come back to that in a second. But what I'm picking up on on this new moon is like with those two cards is, you know, I want to complete something. That's very Jupiterian, by the way, with a new moon that's, that's opposing Jupiter and a full moon that's going to be right around Jupiter. It's this idea of victory, you know, like c- completing something, being successful, you know, confirmation and success. Those are Jupiterian things. And the Ten of Wands is like the, the labor of like, oh, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, you know, trudging across the finish line. Makes a lot of sense when you think about Mars opposite Pluto and Saturn in the background of all of this.
1: Yeah, that's the, other, uh, that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Right. Uh, we're talking about you know the interaction between the Venus and Mercury and Jupiter, and that's like kind of fluffy right, <laughs> compared right. to this. Like, uh, I, I guess I wanted my my lady wanted to compare it to the tough Mudder, <laughs> the aspect of those. Are you familiar with that? No, it's like a uh, like a triathlon, but it's like the most torturous triathlon you can go through, where they like you know, electrocute you with a cattle prod and you just like go <laughs> yeah. under
0: barbed wire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's this feeling of like, Oh, I'm trying to finish something. I'm trying to get through with something. It's feeling it's like, there's a burden, there's victory in sight. Yeah. But I think the other thing that plays out with the, the Gemini and Mercury opposition is this idea of like, well, you know, when you're working really hard on something, there's a lot at stake and you really want to get it done. Um, you can also get you can, you can stay up, you can lose sleep over it is my, is my point. You can lose sleep over it, and you can overanalyze and like, like right now, for example, there's some pretty big things happening, um, in, in our life through our yoga studio, we're sort of changing some of the way that we're doing business at the yoga studio. And also I have a program coming up and, you know, there's all this pressure to get all this stuff done and I can see the end in sight you know like the june will go by and eventually like you know i'll i'll be leaving town to go to another astrology conference and this stress will be behind me but you i can feel it like i'm losing sleep i'm staying up late i'm like i'm you know kind of and then i and then i come back to like yeah it's almost going to be done it'll be so nice when it's done so i think that that back and forth between also just mental anguish over something that should be joyous and good that you probably are going to accomplish but you may be more anxious about it than you need to be that could be a, a way of looking at it as well
1: well when you asked me to do this i had trouble sleeping two nights
0: before <laughs> so there was i was this i was this guy i was like oh man it's a test okay. yeah yeah and and then the, the 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 of course in the last decan looking at mercury in the last decan of the the last 10 degree segment of Gemini and the the tarot card that's been associated with that was the Ten of Swords, wasn't it? Yes, and which was
1: called, yeah, which was called Ruin. Ruin. Um, Yeah, and uh, so, you know, this is kind of the person who can no longer bear the burden, you know, like if if you really contrast it with this card, you know, they've allowed their fears to, you know, eliminate them. Although you can see that there is like a little bit of a hand signal going, uh, from the person on the ground, like he's like, like, I'm uh, here. He's like, I'm all right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be all right.
0: <laughs> you know, um, the, that, that dichotomy is also interesting because you're looking at these T squares all month long and you're thinking, you know, the worries that I have that are keeping me up at night, are they even real? Are they even that important? Right. Um, the, the, the amount that I'm calculating and planning, trying to get things done, trying to move a vision forward, uh, you know am i just wasting energy because i'm i'm anxious and also the fear of ruin in the 10 of swords i, I think of that card i often think of like you know just the anticipation of a bad ending but whereas jupiter opposing is yeah. like no 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 we'll work through this victory it's coming we just got to we just got to push you know um and so that tension also of like defeatism and on the other hand being overly idealistic and um even opportunistic or kind of you know, assuming that things will go better than they, they should because we're not being careful enough. Th- those tensions feel really acute this month with this moon cycle. And I think they're represented in those cards too.
1: Well, I want to I add in there, um, and we'll get to this when we talk to, about the full moon, but in, in Austin's book, 36 Faces, he calls uh, the second decan of Gemini, the hermaphrodite, where we're trying to balance opposites and hold duality. And in the third decan, he calls that one the executioner's sword. So you basically have to eliminate one of the options to bring things back into unity and balance. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is like a, a weeding out of like process where you know we may get anxiety about all these things, but ultimately we have to make a decision and make a choice mm-hmm. as we come to the the solstice and, and a, a very peak point within the year.
0: Right. But yeah, that's, that's, that's really nice that the idea of coming to a decision or, you know, that this, this tension may also mount in terms of like, needing to make a choice or sort of, um, maybe even you could think about it a little bit more abstractly in terms of like defining our principles or defining a vision or mission statement, mm-hmm. um, defining a, a sense of direction um well let's move forward a little bit into um two more little
1: tiny things to add on that okay good very quickly so this new moon will be conjunct the fixed star tabit which is kind of an obscure one it's what is it called tabit tabit yeah t-a-b-i-t uh which was associated with prosperity in trade uh (laughs) and by voyages abroad um it was one of the stars in orion's lion skin shield Um, there's also a danger of of treachery or poison or inconstancy associated with this fixed star. Interesting. So there's, that's bringing in some of those Neptunian themes, I think as well. And Mercury was, you know, associated with commerce. So this may be a new time to start some sort of commerce type of thing. Like you're putting out things for your classes and things like that. Um, One other little, you know, little side note is there is a Sabian symbol associated with this called a, a for Gemini 13. Oh boy. Um, so <laughs> see we're going outside the comfort zone now. The moon is conjunct Uranus today, Adam, in your That's, first. So
0: I can't help it.
1: Got to go with it. Uh, and it says a famous pianist uh, giving a concert performance or a great musician at his piano. And I think that really uh, speaks a lot to the opposition between these two um, signs as well, because each finger has to become its own dexterous type of uh, element that is trying to keep together the unity of the whole of the piece the essence of the uh, the delivery of that musical vision Mm. Um, so there's there's things that are you know you have a bass line and then you have a melody going in there they seem like they're you know at odds but they're actually working to unify for that piece okay I thought that was really kind of a neat uh, connection
0: For people who don't know, the Sabian symbols are basically, they are a channeled set of images, one for each degree of the zodiac that were um, received in this very kind of interesting random way um, by a a medium, I believe it was in in like Central Park or something like that. Yeah. Um, And this was what, in the 40s or 50s or something?
1: Yeah, early, early 20th century, I think.
0: And um, so they've become really famous as these kind of divinatory images associated with the degrees of the Zodiac. I am intensely skeptical about them, but that's just because I'm skeptical about all woo in general, even though I'm an astrologer. And, by um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I, there's lots of, I have lots of things that I'm very grumpy about in astrology. including and asteroids. asteroids. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that's, that's neither here nor there because there are, Ways of using them that are appropriate in ways that are probably Can more... Can you tell
1: that Adam and I have spent a lot of time together in the last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, okay. So, though that's really interesting, though. Um, I especially appreciate the fixed star. Fixed stars are really... Um, they're very old. People are using fixed stars and their meanings date back thousands of years and uh, maybe represents the earliest form of astrological woo. So, Absolutely.
1: We're, we're playing to the crowd with, with right. all
0: of us today. <laughs> so... Let's go forward, like one thing that's going to happen, you know, Mercury's changing signs pretty quickly, right. um, but I do like that, you know, June 4th into the 5th, Mercury's going to enter Cancer. Um, that changes things dramatically with, with Mercury now entering the sign of the Moon. You're going to have mental, you know, sort of mental, rational faculties, communicative faculties, even if you want to say something like, you know, every month, wherever Hermes is located, that's where information is streaming in. That's where, you know, messages are coming. Um, when it goes into the sign of the moon, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's more nocturnal, it's more dreamlike, it's more reflective, it's more emotional in the sign of cancer, you could say, uh, more romantic, nostalgic. Um, my memory, I have mercury in cancer and I have a pretty good memory, mm-hmm. uh, natally I mean. And whenever mercury goes back into cancer, I find that <laughs> My memory is very fluid, and I start having all of this sort of these sort of nostalgic, um, almost like poetic, um, rememberings. So anyway, that's a few things that came to my mind about Mercury entering Cancer. And you'll have to watch because as long as Mercury's in Cancer, it's being hosted by the Moon. So even though it's like, oh, Mercury's in Cancer should be emotional. Yeah, well, wait, you know, wait until it's in Sagittarius when it's in Sagittarius, even though Mercury's in Cancer, your mood will become more fiery. It'll become more sort of Jupiterian or competitive or, you know, centaur-like. So, you really have to follow the Moon as as Mercury's in Cancer. And I think it's one of the best ways to actually track the subtleties of a planet host dynamic because Mercury is um, very up to the minute. It's a, it's a planet that you can also track like the Moon in terms of the aspects it makes. And watching the moon move through signs and uh, qualify the kinds of thoughts and information and, and communication exchanges that you're having, um, is, it's really actually pretty fun. So those are a few thoughts that I had about Mercury entering Cancer on June 4th, June 5th. Uh, what about you, anything there?
1: Yeah, yeah, I also have Mercury in Cancer in my natal chart, so I'm familiar with this guy. Uh, I would say that one of the challenges with Mercury in Cancer is, kind of like singing underwater it's like a thick uh, layer of of emotion that these thoughts have to go through to get out of your mouth mm. and i don't know about you but if i'm feeling upset about something everything starts to shut down and clam up a little bit
0: yeah yeah that's a mercury well we're both cancer sons with yeah. mercury and cancer so so
1: so i think that's one of the dangers you know uh with that ingress is if you if you're starting to get too worked up about something communication could start to shut down and you could become distant um i would say that you know if mercury is at the disposal uh, or if moon, the moon is offering up significations at the disposal of mercury that may also temporarily destabilize or, or have some contesting within the family Okay. Um, because, you know, there's there's kind of a, there may be a renegotiation of your family contracts or a division of household labor type of thing. And this is especially true because it's going to be co-present with Mars there. Right. Um, in the first couple days, Mercury will be uh, what's called peregrine as well, which means it's kind of wandering uh, without dignity. So there may be a few days of confusion, I think, when it first makes its appearance um there's a nice window though uh from the 8th to the 16th where mercury has a little bit um, better dignity um it's going to be going through it's going to have dignity by its deck in by face and then it's going to be in its own bounds from the 12th to the 16th um, which basically means it kind of gets to set the agenda uh for you know for it makes the rules so to speak like the curriculum um, the other thing we should talk about just a little bit is is Mercury's making its appearance as an evening star on june 5th um right. which i think is a pretty that's that to me has has coincided with pretty important revelations um
0: right you can see this like for example like i'll just show people how this works right here so you can see here's the sun setting in the west Right, so Sun, like, kind of consider this as like the Western horizon, and you can see Mercury once it's about 15 degrees or so away from the Sun, um, it will start to appear either in the morning or the evening, depending on if it's in direct motion or if it's gone through its retrograde. So, here, what Spencer's saying is that you know, Mercury is going to start emerging as the evening star, and right as it makes that appearance, um, you know it's not because Mercury is kind of emerging from the underworld, so to speak, from under the beams of the sun, new information can appear, new thoughts, new, you know, you get an email from someone or there's uh, some new idea that even even surfaces. Um, so anything else you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a revelation. You know, a lot of the thing, times when we have planets that are under the beams of the sun, things are going on in secret, they're hidden. So things may come to light when that that planet makes an appearance. Um, I guess the, al- the other thing that's happening when Mercury makes its appearance as an evening star is Venus is going to be conjunct the fixed star Algol, um, mm-hmm. which is, is said to be, which, which is the head of Medusa and one of the most uh, malefic fixed stars, one that was kind of the, the big baddie in the sky. Right. Um, so perhaps there's some sort of information that's revealed that creates some tension within relationships or Venus related things. Um, and I think it's important to, quote unquote, not lose your head over it because Medusa lost her head, um, you know. And I think that, you know, if there's a family issue or whatnot that comes to light, um, taking some time to really think about it and not, you know, pop off, I guess, would be important around this time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you can see this from the fact that as on that day, you know, June, June 5th coming up, the moon will be moving through cancer on that day and hitting excuse me, the conjunction to Mars and also making oppositions to Saturn and Pluto. Right. So the moon is also telling us like this day is probably going to be somewhat dramatic. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, yeah, right. June, Let's right around June, June 5th. Um, uh, if you're in East Coast time, it'll be in the evening. Um, West Coast time will be more like afternoon. But um, unfortunately, this is also, I hate to say it, but this is the kind of uh, first of all, you could see disclosure or revelation of facts or information that's been hidden, that's scandalous, something like that. But this would also be a time where people lose their head, and in a in a in a in a sort of more public and demonstrative way. And the reason for that is that the moon also rules the city, right? Just the 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 populace. Public. It's the family, but it's the public, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So then you're thinking, you know, like, and th- unfortunately, like I hate to say this, but like all month long with Mars in the moon's sign, the potential for it, like, you know, that, that kind of, you think of the moon serving Mars, Mars wants to cut, Mars wants to divide. Well, what is it going to cut or divide? You think of the moon and you think of like, okay, well, there's an umbilical cord. That's a positive example of a cutting. But you also think about like all the stuff that's happening right now with like the, you know, the, the bans on abortion, or you think about, um, questions about the rights of a woman's body or uh, activism around women's rights. But also, you know, um, there was a pregnant woman that was killed going to get some, uh, some kind of children's clothing off a Facebook marketplace. That was right as Mars moved into cancer. So, you know, Mars will, will, will challenge and sometimes cut or sever deeply, um, deeply held emotional bonds. And it can also be bring some degree of violence into places that are public um, so I, I, at this point, you know I feel like if if we had started doing this kind of astrology you know twenty years ago, it would probably have been more shocking to make a prediction about public violence now it 's like well you know there 's one every week or whatever so Unfortunately though, this is part of the month, so as we 're talking about this mercury appearing and Venus on algal. These are also sort of holographic themes that are repeating themselves through the, the slow burn and build of, of Mars opposite Pluto and Saturn.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, I like the way that they speak about it in Project Hindsight, too, where the planet has that abstract nature. Mars is going to be trying to sever and cut and burn and separate, and it's concretizing its events through the sign. So it's basically, you know, through being given the substance of the moon or of cancer or, you know, like mother issues, family, like the public, all of those things are being served up to Mars to to act upon, so to speak. Or mm-hmm. it's like the birth channel. Cancer is the birth channel for Mars to, to birth uh, concrete events through. Mm-hmm. I really, that, that's been a, a real game changer in the way I've been thinking about all of these um, planetary placements and and what they mean within the transit and with within a chart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, let's move on to, um, we've got so many more on our list. Venus is entering Gemini as well on, um, let's see, I think I've got it at June 9th. Yeah, it's about then. Um, Venus will enter Gemini. What do you got for Venus and Gemini in general?
1: Um, well, We've got the first deck. I'll just show you the other card. The first deck in of Venus. I'm sorry, of Gemini is the Eight of Swords, and this is kind of about uh, some of the boundaries that that we are mental limitations that we may have that that may not actually be mental limitations, so to speak. You know, if you look at the card, you know, the bounds are kind of like loosely tied, and if she realized that she was able to, you know, create freedom from from what is binding her. Uh, she may not have as, as bad of an experience. Um, so this may speak to like seeing things in relationships as restrictions that might not actually be restrictions and learning to, to become more flexible within them. There's a flexibility that comes in when planets move into, uh, you know, cadence signs um, that are transitions between seasons. So there may be some transition phases that are coming up with Venus um, Mercury is going to also be in mutual reception with the moon for uh, about three days starting on the 8th to the 10th So there's Mercury getting some help with from the moon in Virgo and that may be affecting how Venus is being provided for
0: Exactly. Yeah, I really see the ingress in terms of that Mercury moon <clears throat> Mutual reception you think of Venus um, also entering that t-square going back to some of those same themes. Here's the dream but how do I do it or here's the effort I'm trying to make to some grand conclusion, some happy ending, but I'm, I'm sort of mentally being tortured by it or it's, you know, it's keeping me up at night. Um, I think Venus wants to bring harmony. So, right. Mars wants to cut, Venus wants to bring things together to unite things. Um, so, if Venus wants to harmonize and the Moon, that Mercury is going to provide for it, right, and Mercury Moon are working together cooperatively, To me, you're looking at at least right around the ingress of June 9th, potentially um, a little window where there could be some really um, nice cooperation, uh, some allies being found, some innovative ideas coming through in terms of how to see, Moon and Mercury and Cancer and Virgo are going to make things practical and make things grow. So, you know, Venus, it seems like it's going to enter in and be like, hey, um, you know, I might be able to be of service here and to help try to harmonize things. So I'm thinking of a kind of in a practical, innovative, harmonious energy that's coming in right away. But I think you're right, which is on on the the what was it the eight of swords? Uh yeah. Yeah. Eight of swords image. Like that the image of that it's a woman too, and and that's important is kind of the feminine Venus here. Um the Feminine Venus in Gemini also may go through some of the same challenges: the the mental anguish and worrying. How am I, how am I going to bring all of this together? Like, how am I going to get it to work? I, I have to. I'm the harmonizer. I've come in and I've got a task to do to harmonize within this T-square, this vision that's trying to take place. But um, I don't know how to do it, or I'm not, you know. Uh, so some worry about that. Maybe again, it's not as big of a deal as we think that it is. But on the other hand with Mercury being its dispositor for quite a while throughout the month and Mercury closing in on a conjunction to Mars in opposition to Saturn and Pluto, not all of those fears are gonna be unfounded. Mm. There could be some real challenges and feeling like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, like surrounded by those swords. Um, I I do believe that things are gonna get pretty intense in trying to work through some kind of very tricky dilemma or situation that comes in about the middle of the month, um, because we've got this T-square trying to work itself out, Venus is trying to harmonize, but you know, like I said, Mercury, it's Venus's ruler in Gemini, is getting into it with Mars and opposing Pluto and Saturn, which is like, you know, kind of like an un- unstoppable force meets an immovable object. There's, there's a lot kind of emotionally at stake, there's hard decisions, sometimes you, know, you, you think about Mars and Cancer opposite Saturn and Capricorn, you get this feeling of like, um, you know, trying to force a a reaction or a response through manipulation or through coercion. You -hmm. also get this idea of stonewalling or refusing to look at something that's really banging on the door. It's emotionally uncomfortable. You get the feeling also of having to cut ties and separate that's an opposition. Sometimes that means it's you go this way, I go this way um but that that's a complicated dynamic and it's very emotional and potentially very volatile and sort of reactive and it's disposing of that venus that's why i think the other side of that card where there's like you you really are in something of a pickle and you're just not sure how to go through it i think that could be a part of this as well
1: well and i don't i don't see things getting resolved right away either because to me i i've been looking at the the <laughs> dignities of the planets whether they have power or resource or if their condition is good and venus is peregrine uh from the eighth to the 20th which means it doesn't have any dignity whether by it being in its own uh domicile uh, its own bounds its own uh triplicity so it's kind of wandering around there without things that without stuff to help it out um so it's going to try to harmonize but it might not be as effective as it could be when it when it becomes uh when it gets dignity on the 20th
0: Right. And, um, and the, uh, with the other thing is, um, it, I mean, one good thing that will mitigate this, of course, is, you know, it, it is moving through a, a whole sign opposition to Jupiter all month. Right. And and um, I'm, I'm a little bit more mixed on Neptune as a malefic or benefic. Very clear that Jupiter will add something benefic to Venus's situation. And Venus-Jupiter oppositions in general are, you know, often, um, you know, very sort of grand and, and they, have, um, they often confer blessings and support. So, I think, it, I think it'll go in a positive direction, but I think you're also right that it's not until later. Uh, for me, the real peak moment of the month, and you tell me what you think, Spencer, is you hit like, you hit June 20th or so and all of a sudden you've got the opposition's peaking, right? And the summer solstice coming through and the last T-squares from Venus coming through. I would see that as a kind of cathartic moment. It might be really difficult, but I think the result of it is, oh, and then two days later, Venus hits the opposition to Jupiter and square to Neptune, and right. these things start to fade. I, I think that's probably the turning point. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that full moon is going to be. That's going to be a big one. Um, full
0: moon on the seventeenth.
1: Yeah, and that's going to build to that solstice
0: date. Um, yeah, let's so, go. Hold on, let's get to the full moon on here so everyone can see. So wait,
1: go, just go one day forward just for a second because the there's tenth. one point I want to make up with that. Um, so yeah, on the 10th here, you can see that there's an opposition between the sun and Jupiter that perfects. Right. And one thing I wanted to point out with that uh, is that Jupiter is in a, has a condition right now called curtailed passage. So it basically is invisible on the eastern and western horizon in the morning and the evening. And that was said to, to really weaken Uh, an outer planet like jupiter saturn or mars when it's in its curtailed passage and that's when it's within seven and a half degrees of the opposition on either side so i think that jupiter is going to be trying to come and interact but it's not as powerful empowered as it could be right now it's it's a little bit weakened
0: right and just to explain curtailed passage to everybody um uh how is that created astronomically? It it comes from the opposition to the sun and the fact that the, as the sun's setting, Jupiter's rising, and so there's this, or or vice versa, and so there's this um this uh tricky field that it's in where its appearance is curtailed. Does that do I have that right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um so um I haven't I haven't heard that phrase used for a really long time. It's a really nice actually a really nice use of that um of that concept. Um so this matches, though, with what we're saying about Venus, too, which is like Venus is trying to help, but she's peregrine for a while. And during this period, this would be part of the period where Venus is also peregrine, right? Right. Exactly. So right. she's
1: trying to harmonize. You know, She's not getting the help that she needs, really. It may be like you're, you know, you're trying to eloquently convince somebody of something because Venus is softening the speech and, and the way we're communicating. But that person may not be ready to hear you yet. I think mm-hmm. that's, that could be one thing, that way that that could manifest. And then you're trying to bring a unified vision but the vision is sort of hidden right now The the clarity for the vision is kind of behind the scenes so you may be working agreements out behind the scenes before it comes out and is revealed again
0: well gosh i can tell you that um that certainly makes sense for a lot of what we're dealing with right now it's just sort of like you know new things that we're getting ready to launch but really having to work behind the scenes to get it all set up first um, that so that that certainly makes sense for some things that I'm personally going through. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that is interesting about this is Sun Jupiter oppositions in general um, will. Um, it, it's kind of like the, the way that I think about it for the superior planets is it's it's a bit like a full moon moment for a superior planet when it's when it's opposite the Sun when it because like, Mars Saturn or Jupiter when they're exactly opposite the Sun. Um, there's, you know, again, there's a sort of dynamic tension between the two. And often, um, you know, what does the sun do? What are the sun's actions? The sun clarifies or the sun will judge between things, select, choose something and, and ignore something else. Because the sun is intimately involved with Saturn as well. It's the a planet that rules the sign opposite to Saturn's sign. So, the idea of selecting something that's special, that shines, that's unique, what's in the shadow of that selection, the elimination or what it's marginalized or not selected, and that's Saturn. So, whenever there's an opposition from the sun to a planet, oftentimes you have this sense of, I've I've arrived at something, I've decided upon something, something is standing out, but the oppositional, whatever's being excluded or whatever's been kind of set aside or cast aside um, is not the ramifications of having to judge against something else in favor of of something, in other words, isn't immediately seen. And that's another way of thinking about that curtailed space.
1: Well, and I think we have a clue too, Adam, as as to uh, the Kazemi moment of Jupiter when it was in the heart of the sun was considered uh, the beginning of this cycle. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the last time that Jupiter was conjoining the sun, we may be able to ferret out some of the themes that were beginning that are coming to a head with this opposition.
0: Very good call. Let's go back yeah. in time and see if we can find that. So I've got it right here. So you're looking at basically, we'll just do it loosely about yeah. the end of November of last year. Thanksgiving. Right, Thanksgiving. What,
1: what conversation did you have at the Thanksgiving table? <laughs> you know,
0: that's the thing is that with the Kazemi, with the Kazemi of those outer, those outer traditional outer planets, um, you know, i cause I've traced a bunch of these myself and sometimes the seed of the beginning of the beginning of one of these cycles is really subtle. So you go right, back to the right. sun conjunction. Now it's hitting the opposition. You go back to the start of it and you're like, well, you know, I, you know, unless you're pre- proactive about it, it's sometimes very hard to figure out. And that's what also sometimes makes doing like, um, sort of hindsight astrology with clients difficult is sometimes you can see something really big was starting right around this time, but it was, you know, 15 years ago, and it might have been a little bit more subtle.
1: I mean, I think you have to practice it like this. I think you have to look at it as part of a greater cycle to really understand the meaning that is present in the current cycle. Uh, seeing it as a whole has really helped me say oh well this is just a phase of this this is the cocoon phase or this is the emerging phase and being able to know what it was related to is is really valuable and right. you know, with, with this moment it's like what argument did you get in with Uncle Bob at the dinner table at Thanksgiving and like how is that right. affecting what's going on you know at right the now. Memorial Day dinner or something like on right. the barbecue <laughs>
0: Oh. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, if you, you could look back to Thanksgiving, in other words, we're saying, and see yeah. something of the um, fruit that's going to come of this sort of Jupiter cycle this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, let's see. I think we were at the 10th. Let's, should we go up to the full moon? Um, hold on. A Anything else in there? You've got such detailed yeah. notes.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I had on the, the uh, 13th is, was the beginning of Mercury conjoining Mars. Um, which is w- what you have taught us is called Kalesis, which is within three degrees, uh, kind of an adherence of those planets together. So you're going to start to see the beginning of this phase uh, come in. because I know that we look at the perfections of these, which means when they become exact, but I think sometimes it's helpful to see when that energy is going to start fermenting uh-huh. and to know that, oh, okay, this is the beginning of this and it's going to peak here and then it's going to start to fade. Um so on the thirteenth, Mercury is, is just beginning its conjunction with Mars. So you have to be real careful that day on how you communicate with people. And uh that, that to me seems like a ripe for temper tantrums. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, like watch out exactly. with your two little two little ones, you know. Right. Um, so that there might be an explosive pouting attack
0: that happens. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the the um, yeah the three degree rule is sometimes uh, what it, what we call it. It's like you know when a planet moves to within three degrees of making an aspect in ancient astrology, it was considered very active. And in the part where it's applying, it's like the pressure's building. The exact conjunction is usually thought of as as or the exact uh, aspect or conjunction. Is thought of as an event of some kind, and then the the fallout might be the uh, the three degrees after might also represent a a flowing forth where something is continuing to blossom or fall out. You can think of it a, a bit like um, two examples that I've heard. One is hair. This is I think Robert Schmidt used this example. Um, hair, the hair that's growing and that then kind of uh, flows out, and you get a nice dew, and then it falls out. Right. Yeah. So the the or fruit on a tree, you know, where it grows, it gets ripe, heavy, and then it falls off. Mm-hmm. The falling off part is usually right after the exact moment when it's sort of reaching the blossom of the exact aspect. But the build-up, as it's developing, um, that's when the tensions are mounting creatively or, or whatever. You're starting to send each other the evil eye in your household before the big blow up, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, and that's a perfect way to describe it because the, the you know the ancients describe some of these more difficult aspects with malefics as quote unquote the evil eye, you know, and because aspect means to 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 look at right, uh, and I th- we can't skip over June fourteenth because that's the uh, the perfection of Mars and Saturn's opposition, right? But that's when the rubber hits the road, um, and uh, we have a standoff. I mean, to me, I, some of the notes I made about this, a standoff regarding family life versus public life and responsibilities out, out in the world. Um, you know, Mars is also going to be near the North Node, increasing the the passive aggression that, that it's uh, putting out into the world.
0: That's right. This is a hungry, kind of pissed off Mars, Yeah. Um, which could, you know, on the, on the positive side, I think this Mars, when it's in the moon sign, has the potential to be, you know, Mars isn't just wanting to mess stuff up. Mars also wants to protect, defend, advocate, you know, show some courage or, ba- you know, sort of valiancy or something like that. But I think, so sticking up for defending or, or sort of um, being an advocate for something lunar um, could also be a part of this I guess kind of a mama bear energy.
1: Well, and um, I think the key is, is not getting too irrational about it. Like, I think Mars and Cancer can bring an emotionality to it that where you get, you know, it's going to run headlong into Saturn, the, the king of objectivity and distance. And to me, that's kind of like one of the comparisons I had here was, you know, when you've got a child that just... Is throwing a temper tantrum and wants to run out in the middle of the road, and Saturn the parents like grabs him by the collar and nope, you're not gonna (laughs) gonna go right out in the the road, right? Uh, Or like you know, I think one of your former students, uh, LOD, uh, posted (laughs) these amazing pictures of children throwing temper tantrums, and there was all these crazy quotes of like you know was told I he had to peel his own banana or something or like (laughs) he's just totally melting down just melting down over the most ridiculous things
0: i laughed so hard when i saw that i showed my wife that (laughs) that post because you know yeah that's what it's like as a parent sometime of of little ones as you very know know very well and and i i'm getting to know um you know sometimes it's like uh yeah like I think one of them was like couldn't put dirty diaper on head as hat, and it shows <laughs> yeah. the girl just like completely like it might as well look like the you know the an exorcism like right. just so pissed off, so distraught, so yeah. I mean that kind of yeah like that's possible, however, I think the so, yeah, that, that's the, the volatility and then the, the growing up of Saturn saying, you know, like, hey, let's, um, yeah, let's, let's be objective about this. Let's, let's sit down and grow up.
1: Well, on and the other. More, be more direct too, right? More direct. Yeah, because there's an indirectness to Mars and Cancer where you're going to go around the back channels, the backbiting, the, you know, the pouting, the, the gossip. The gossip, yeah. exactly. So it's, I think it's important to watch that uh, during this standoff, you know, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing is, I think that Mars opposite Saturn is with Pluto. Right. And so, the dark side of Saturn, the kind of subterranean uh, power-hungry Saturn, that part of it is also like the people who won't listen, you know, like the the people who are like, I'm, I'm thinking about powerful, like powerful, you know, men in the government or, you know, people who have a lot of power And they say that there's some, someone's knocking at the door of the castle, you know, at the the castle gate saying, you know, there's, there's people dying in the streets here, King, you got to open up the reserves and feed some people. And the King is sitting there like a hoarder, you know, greedy and, and like a, like a dragon with the Pluto in there and saying like, no, like, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't have to. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessary for me to listen to you. You're just a complainer. And, um, But then what happens is, you know, someone starts someone starts throwing some some you know some tomatoes someone someone some, someone starts uh, or maybe they or maybe worse they start scaling the walls or they 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 come in with uh, some of those boiling cauldrons or something I'm
1: imagining one of those uh, gorillas at the zoo like flinging feces at the... that right.
0: right. <laughs> right. like things are going to actually like like there will be a reckoning if someone is trying to use their power to stonewall someone that is making an emotional demand or an emotional is is presenting something oh. emotionally that's true that that's like not being heard and here's a question for you
1: i would which planet would have the upper hand i mean are we saying that saturn may actually have the upper hand due to it's being you know in its own domicile
0: so well it it really depends on i mean like let's look let's be very specific when the um this is just like let's go to june um right when the first oppositions are happening which comes through right about where see okay we're gonna have the first opposition is what like the 13th right around there do i have that right 13th to 14th it's yeah. starting mars opposing saturn exactly yeah, um that week's gonna be hard y- you know what yeah. mars and the moon are in mutual reception in scorpio during that opposition mm-hmm. yeah. so you could cool. think about that it, it, considering the um I, c- I think that could be constructive a little bit more constructive confrontation or some degree of like you know, some some kind of underdog Moon Mars energy kind of helping itself. I mean, it 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 feels like it's powering up because it's almost a full moon by that time too. Right. Um, but then when you go forward from there, so I could see that I could see parts of this favoring the Moon Mars. But um, then when you go forward and you get into the full moon, um, then I think, and you're getting into the opposition to Pluto, Moon's going to go through Sagittarius and then it's going to get into Capricorn. Right. And once it gets into Capricorn, then I think Saturn and Pluto really have the upper hand because moon's debilitated and and you know in the kingdom of saturn and and Pluto and right around the full moon um right after the full moon and uh I think the I think that part of this where it's opposing Pluto is where it's going to be nastier well,
1: and you could see too with with Mars and the moon both in their their falls or their depressions. It's like they're at the bottom of the well trying to call out. Right. Right. And Saturn is sitting on the throne. So that's right. Th- there's definitely a power dynamic that isn't fair.
0: And right. It's not, it's, yeah, there is some, there's some degree of like it, it, it's not a fair fight. Right. Exactly. And so oh. to
1: me that, that, that speaks to playing out of the current events we've been seeing and the establishment, you know, maybe cracking back on the the cries um, for change and for whatnot. Um, kind of the empire strikes back type of thing. I don't think those issues are going away anytime soon and, and nor should they There's some important, you know, stuff going on that we need to acknowledge.
0: Well, let's just out of curiosity, um, let's go back in time to the last time that uh, Mars was in cancer with, with Pluto and Capricorn. Cause I, I always like to do that. Um, let's see here. And this is a fun thing. I'll teach people this just, you know, for, Okay, here we go. So, all right. So, this would have perfected right in like July of 2017. But you got Saturn and Sage though. No, right. Different, different dynamic, but let's just in terms of like a Mars-Pluto conjunction, oh, Pluto, right? Pluto. Okay. Gotcha. Mars-Pluto opposition, yeah. excuse me. Um, okay, so... Um, all right, so here's what I like to do. I like to go to the Wikipedia articles for 2017 or mm-hmm. whatever year we're doing, right? And um, look at what was happening right around that time. So, what, well, so, we'll go back and see which date. Can you see the chart on the screen right now? Yeah,
1: I can. And I'm thinking of, I had a very intense personal experience around that time. Okay. That I don't super want to go into, but it, but it was a standoff related to a, it was a family standoff that was very intense.
0: Right. Right. Um, uh, Okay.
1: You had that personally happening. It was a power dynamic that that was uh, being put forth. Here's what's, go ahead, keep going. Just, just a a power of wills. And there was uh, a dark element that had bubbled up that uh, we ran, ran headlong into basically and had to take like, you know, um, in, intense action to to reconcile.
0: Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Um. During that time, for me, I almost cut off my finger. Ooh. I um. I almost cut off my finger. I had. Uh, I got stung by a hornet seven times. Um, and I ended up spilling boiling water on myself. <laughs> oh no. Just so that people know. I mean, that was for me. That was like it was. It was right on my moon. Ended up engaging my moon too. But Ooh. at any rate, um. Okay. So this is late this is like late June or building up in June of, um, of 2017. Okay. And um, we'll just show you some of the things that happened in terms of like a, uh, some of the similarities are going to be there. You have the house of representatives, majority whip Steve Scalise um, and his aides hit by gunfire during a baseball practice. You remember that?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, you had um, the, um, uh. uh announcement that conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather would fight which is very mars pluto um you also had it announced that robert Mueller was investigating trump for obstruction of justice um you had a shooting at a ups facility um that uh it was in san francisco um you had a young woman michelle carter who was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter for encouraging her boyfriend to take his own life. She had sent these text messages encouraging him to take his own life. Wow. Um, and um, Geronimo Yanez, I think that's how you say it, was acquitted of all charges and found to be not guilty in the case of the shooting of Philando Castile. Um, One
1: little side note with that um, Mueller thing. Uh, so Neptune is at 14 degrees, Pisces here. I had a note in here that uh, on January 12th of this past year, um, Jupiter squared Neptune at 14 degrees. And it, it came out in the news that there was, you know, that Mueller was going to a different phase of the investigation or something like that. Um, it was, I, I can't really remember the exact details of it, but it was, it was a big New York Times story on January 12th. Right when, as it was perfecting. Right as, yeah. as that was perfecting. It's funny because it, it was returning to the same degree that when this was coming out. Uh, right.
0: And we, of course we just had another big development in that case where he gave this public statement and it was sort of really mercurial and hard to read. And right. uh, at any rate, um, yeah, uh, the Philando, Philando Castile was a, I'm from Minnesota. So the shooting of the young African American man, if I remember correctly, um, and he was, or maybe was he Latino? I can't remember. But at any rate, he was, um, Killed by an officer, and it was on video. Like it was, it was spread virally. So it was this really, and it was you know one of the things that comes up with between cancer and Capricorn is often race relations in in general. You have right. that that lunar background, and the moon is so important to things like race and ethnicity and things like that.
1: You've got a clannishism happening ha- with cancer. You That's know, right. That's right. This is your team, your, my kin versus your kin type of thing. Yep.
0: Is um, that the
1: guy that um, was in the back seat of his car, and his girlfriend was? Filming it.
0: Shoot, no, he had he had a, a, apparently like, you know, I think he had a gun in his car,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he was he wasn't reaching for it. I don't believe. I think he was he was just like reaching for his papers or something, right. and he had a permit for the gun and everything. If I remember, I don't remember the details honestly. But at any rate, it was definitely like a wrongful shooting. Yeah, and um, he like died in the front seat, and it was like all on video.
1: Right.
0: Um, but then you had the story of an American student that had been detained in North Korea. That, um, that, that died after being released. Um, and then you also had this really severe heat wave that caused 40 American Airlines planes to be grounded, hmm. um, which is also really interesting just when you get to that kind of, even though Mars is in a water sign, you really feel the Mars in Cancer as boiling, you know, especially in opposition to Pluto, the potential for things boiling. Um, that's why I got, you know, right at that last one, I, had, I literally dumped boiling water on myself um, so just this idea of you know extreme sort of tensions and heat and
1: you have to be careful and be aware of that too because you can be you can become like the frog in the in the pot you you don't know that you're about to die until it's already too late you know because it's gra- it can be gradual too
0: that's right So I'm not trying to bring us back to all the, I mean, the news is pretty much all the horrible stuff, right? So, um, but just to give people a feeling for like, you know, what, where were you in late June, early July of 2017? Because that's the last time that Mars opposed Pluto. And sometimes going back to that, just remembering what that was like, um, it's good because if you were in a more emotionally volatile space, like, you know, better to remember, recall that so that you can, you know, be a little bit more proactive this time.
1: Just getting distance from those events will, you know, allow you to make a better choice in the moment the next time, you know, I think that when we talk about the fate or free will thing, you may not be able to choose all the events that happen, but you know, you can kind of adjust your perspective and your immediate reaction. I think a lot of the time, you know, I think that's kind of the where I fall on that, you know,
0: right, right. Um, let's look, um, at the, I'm sorry, I'm conscious of time. So let's look at, so we have the full moon on June 17th.
1: We, before that, you had Jupiter squaring Neptune perfecting, um, on the 16th.
0: On the 16th, right.
1: And the moon is, is, uh, activating Jupiter, um, in Sagittarius. Um, Mercury sextile, adding in a little bit of a me- intermediary in between them, a little bit of testimony, uh, to kind of buffer that energy i don't you know jupiter neptune isn't always terrible though i think that's the thing anytime we've got the benefics involved with something there could be you know positive things uh, associated, right
0: like like taking lots of heroin <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i guess so too much of a good thing
0: right you know no, no you're right though it is like it like jupiter's square to neptune is sort of like um you know you've you've got well i think again i think of like the the imaginative richness of these landscapes like Avatar or the Matrix or Star Wars and other things that were either being made and filmed under Jupiter-Neptune hard aspects or <clears throat> that were released under Jupiter-Neptune hard aspects um, because the desire for transcendence and getting away from the mundane and the, the boring. I mean, Neptune um, is, is constantly trying to get away from anything that feels really just in um uh, limiting, but not so much in a physical sense as much as in, a, in an imaginative, mental, or emotional sense. And, and, you know, so Jupiter in Sagittarius is going to expand, just make that bigger, make that desire bigger. So, one of the other things that I'm thinking about is um, just in terms of the, um, well, if, if you think about the idealism that could be coming through this month, yeah. Um, I think that's sort of the silver lining is that like this, you know, when you think of Jupiter, Neptune, you think of things like miracles, faith, like, okay, let me tell you this experience. I'm not kidding you either. Mm-hmm. So my father has sleep apnea. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. So he like, snores a lot. yeah, well, and he has to have a breathing machine yeah. like when he sleeps now and um, I have occasionally had instances of sleep apnea. I don't snore, but when I'm laying on my back occasionally, like I'll wake up kind of like, like I have to like, I have, cause my, I get, I don't know what, how that works exactly, but it's basically like you stop breathing a little bit and your body just kind of like takes a gasp. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've had that since I was like, I don't know, I don't even know, probably like high school. And I've always just slept on my side for the most part because it's kind of annoying. And I, you know, so at any rate, um, and again, it comes and goes like there's long stretches of my life. Well, it'll be totally fine. Um, so as Jupiter is basically perfecting its square to Neptune right now, right in my um, uh, Jupiter's in my eighth house, right of, of death. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an experience uh, a couple nights ago where I had one of those moments where, like you, you know, you kind of my my body's like needs to take a breath while I'm sleeping, and it, oftentimes it'll like wake me up when that happens.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and again, I'm saying this now because there's always like. 30 people who are like, let me just offer you tons of free medical advice. I'm like, I'm like a healer level 10. Let me just tell you exactly what's wrong with you. Well, no, thank you. I'm, I appreciate your concern, but no, thank you. You live with an herbalist. She's got, yeah, you're right. fine. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, but uh, the, the, um, the, the, the Jupiter in my eighth house. Right. So, and this is as um, well, I won't go into it. So at any rate, uh, the, the, um, well, I will say this, Pluto's opposing my son right now as well. So I've been thinking about, <laughs> a lot about death. Yeah. Um, and I had one of these moments, right? But in the moment I was dreaming and I had a lucid sort of out of body experience of the moment where my body needed to take a breath, but, you know, for a couple of seconds, like wasn't.
1: Right.
0: And it was it was really profound. Like, and I, and I, you know, 10 years of working with ayahuasca in the Amazon and elsewhere, and I've had a lot of you know, pretty, I would say, like profound visionary experiences. But this was very profound. And it, it felt like I, I really got this vision of what the subtle body is.
1: You got a glimpse behind the veil.
0: Yeah, it was yeah. It was very brief. It was a couple of seconds at most before I took a breath and then kind of like w- woke up. But I was standing in the corner of my room looking at my own body. Wow. Yeah. And it was, I'm telling you, like, and I I've, I speak with a Jungian regularly. And I have that. I definitely have that on my list to talk with him about next time I meet with him. Because, you know, it wasn't just, it was, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call it a near death experience or not, but it felt miraculous. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have those kinds of experiences, you know, sober a lot. Like I, I consider myself a pretty intuitive person. I, 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 you know, get that kind of into that flow state when I write or whatever, but, you know, I'm not like a lot of people are walking around just like flowing with Kundalini and like all, you know, they've got all this stuff going on. Have you,
1: have you ever had sleep paralysis? That's some scary stuff right there.
0: I have had that before. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago. But yeah, I have had that before.
1: Yeah, and I mean it, i I can picture uh Goya's nightmare, you know, that that painting with like the demons sitting on your chest and like the crazy yeah you know, uh horse with his eyes all weird.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like everyone is like we're like, Well, this really t- took a dark turn once we started talking about Mars and Pluto. <laughs> so, I
1: have I have one little an, short anecdote about Jupiter-Neptune. Uh, yeah,
0: because uh, this is my, my point. We'll just put a little yeah, bow around this yeah. first. My point was that it felt very miraculous. And so, I think that there is this sort of silver lining in the astrology this month, which is like, you know, some pretty miraculous, uplifting, redeeming kinds of things can happen. That's quality, you know, standard Jupiter-Neptune stuff.
1: Perfect segue to this story. Perfect. So, like… Uh, on the 12th, G- January 12th, which is the last time that this uh, aspect perfected at 14 degrees, I had, uh, my daughter had a swim meet, right? And it was her first, uh, it was a, a USA swim meet, which is like an extra level of competition that, that kids go to, to where there are future Olympians at the pool, you know, getting times for junior Olympics and stuff like that. And when we went to the pool, it was like, you know, this kind of big moment kind of thing. There was a bald eagle that was right outside the the school where the pool was. And it was sitting right in the tree, like right, just sitting right in front of the door. And it stayed there for the entire four hours we were at that swim meet. And then as we were leaving, as we're pulling away in the car, it was like flying alongside of us, like <laughs> outside wow. <alongside> the window. <laughs> and I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah. My daughter's going to be in the Olympics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, like, That's right. So you can see that you can take it like the vision to like these like preposterous proportions. Not saying she couldn't be an Olympian, but, it, it you know, she's new at it and a little bit of a late bloomer. So, you know, I, I have to temper expectations and things like that, but, but you well, can I mean, see that you're just like the vision. Oh my if, God. If, you know, if,
0: if everything goes really well, you'll yeah. have developed like a really elaborate version of astrological role-playing game and your yeah. daughter will be in the olympics <laughs> there you go. Like, that's what's that's where the end of the month is going yeah there you go <laughs> That's it was you said it was an eagle it was I mean, a bald eagle it was so, a bald eagle okay, right? kind of also,
1: yeah there's bald
0: eagles here and, and you know that's the bird of zeus oh well, there you go Perfect. that's jupiter's that's like go. jupiter's bird so See? yeah he was with us that day yeah, totally. I mean that's that's really impressive. And especially like, you know, the, the I love that the connection to Neptune and the like the the, the pool, right? right? There's like right, right. the ocean. Yeah. Well, yeah. make sure those kids aren't on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I don't
1: know. Some of them look pretty uh like they could be. I remember there was a, a scandal with the Chinese women's Olympic team where they were doing like blood doping and stuff like that back in the eighties. Uh so it happens, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um well, um, I mean On that note. Everyone just go to the go to the co op and just get a power bar, guy. <laughs> right? go, go take
1: some. Uh, some oh, oh, you know what it was in in the eighties? It was like this medicinal mushroom that they were taking. You know, cordyceps, the ones that the little like mushrooms that grow out of uh, like ants and stuff. Like they're parasites for insects. Oh, and weird! They, they give you like extra stamina, and <laughs> like so. I don't know. God. Interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, um, let's see here. We've full moon. Tre- we've done pretty good yeah. with the full. I want to try to wrap things up pretty quick here. Yeah. Um. So we've got the full moon coming through on June seventeenth. That's activating the T square again. More of the same. But anything else you want to add to that one? Yeah.
1: I wanted to I wanted to just read a, a really an excerpt from this book that I really am enjoying, uh, Thirty Six Faces. Mr. Austin Kopic, very brilliant author. Um, and he talks about with Gemini too. I'm, I'm sorry. Well,
0: let's put this in context. So the 36 faces are the right. 36 decanic portions of the Zodiac, which are segments of 10 degrees each. So every sign has three segments of 10 degrees each. And these segments of the Zodiac traditionally were associated with basically Egyptian magic, a kind of pre-horoscopic uh, astrology, f- um, uh, uh Concept from it's thought to come from Egypt, um, and these decans um, would also be assigned to different portions of constellations, and they had different kinds of alchemical um, meanings and images associated with them, and also uh, now often are associated with different tarot cards. So this book, Thirty Six Faces, was written by Austin, who's a really awesome astrologer and um, uh, he wrote this. I don't know. I think it was like four or five years ago. I've, I've had him as a guest speaker in my program several times. He also gave a talk one time on the fixed stars. It was really nice.
1: Well, oh, and he was at Norwalk with you recently too. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: We're at Norwalk. But,
1: but he has a story of the, the myth of the twins and the third decan of Gemini, uh, which he he dubs the Executioner's Sword, um, is about what we were talking about earlier about making a choice. And he says, quote. This Deccan brings the myth of the twins to an end by terminating one of them. In the Greek myth, the divine twins are the Dioscori, Castor and Polydukes. After many adventures, Castor is slain, leaving the semi-divine Polydukes to mourn his mortal brother's death. After his beloved sibling's death, Polydukes offers to share his immortality with his brother and the gods accept. Therefore, thereafter, Polydukes and Castor alternate days in Hades and Olympus, it is only after the death of one brother that they are truly equal. The polarity has been mitigated, and a dynamic unity achieved.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, and and it's so um it's so much a part of the Gemini symbolism in general. Um, with the um just g- the, the matrix of the twins, obviously being a huge part of a, a full moon in Sagittarius going back and forth from Gemini to Sag. Um, and that could say more about that, that myth in general in relationship to uh, Gemini with, you know, Mars and Gemini in my own chart. And a, my best friend growing up was a Gemini. So at any rate.
1: Well, and that you're having this opposition to the moon that is activating that Jupiter. And, you know, with the moon being in the third decan again of Sagittarius, you know, you have to eliminate some options because the burden may become too heavy to carry. You know, the burden of that third decan of Sagittarius there. So I think that you find freedom, though, through, through choice, you know, from creating a limit or a boundary um, and recognizing that even refusing to choose is a choice. And That's right. That's right. Suffering. Yeah. Yeah, and totally. see Venus co-present with the sun and the moon co-present with Jupiter. So they're sitting at each other's table with the benefics. So I think there's potential for this to be positive because you've got the two benefics there. Um, co-present with this, this full moon. Um, But you got to choose, you got to commit. And that's, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, kind of a weeding out that needs to happen.
0: Right. Right. Speaking of weeding out, someone is cutting my lawn right now. (laughs) So we have like an, I I normally would cut my own lawn. We have an acre. And um, so I, I ended up hiring someone because I'm just like two kids and an an acre. It takes like three hours. So
1: you're allowed to, to, delegate every once in a while
0: <laughs> i am i am a capricorn moon and it's like uh, I, the other day i was i was doing a video from norwac and i had ordered room service and it came to the door and i was like so embarrassed to admit that i ordered room service too anyway um right. so uh um one last
1: way- note on that is mercury is going to be in its own bounds by this time so it's going to be able to set the agenda and and jupiter is going to be in its own triplicity um, which, according to Demetra George, gives communal support, um, and you've talked about it as having the wind at, at your back, so to speak. So I think you've got one part of the this full moon setting the agenda, and the other one having, you know, some some support from to move forward. Does that make sense?
0: yeah I mean it's complicated hugely by the conjunction to Mars obviously sure, sure. and the and the opposition to Saturn so it's it's one thing that I'm a little bit worried about is that you're gonna have it moving into a malefic enclosure right yeah. so you're gonna have it sort of sandwiched between 18 cancer and 20 cancer in that range it's between the rays of Saturn and Mars That's yucky. so I I I yeah I'm I' Um, I can't remember offhand if, if Mercury's in its term at that point, is it? Um, I don't Mercury, have the terms memorized, yeah, it's obviously. It's in its own bound, yep. Yeah, so that'll help. That that does help. It gives it some some strength. But that enclosure, I think, is going to be pretty intense for for Mercury. I think that's the time when the the mental pressure cooker could really be on. That's why I said what, this point from the month, like full moon, and then when the moon's going to move into Capricorn, also disposing of of Mercury and Mars, Right. I think from full moon through winter or summer solstice, excuse me, that's the point where things are going to be, the, the dynamic tension is going to be great. Maybe transformative, healing, productive, but um, I think. Well, and
1: Venus so, goes under yeah. the beams again and makes its evening set.
0: Right. So Venus is kind of going into the underworld, like the, the goddess of harmony is is right. sinking. Her disposer right. Mar- or Mercury is caught in between the malefics, like, it has more. a feeling like it could also in the, in the collective, I could see it as some kind of major hit for the progress of women, unfortunately, sure. or some kind of high profile uh, event or issues related to women. Um, but any rate, um, and Mercury I, is
1: entering its, the shadow of its retrograde on the 20th too at 23 Cancer. So we're going to, you know, probably be revisiting, revisiting
0: this and especially yeah. with eclipse season coming through these signs yeah. in, in July as well.
1: I would say don't give up hope if it looks like that because it will be revisited on some level. That's right
0: right. and and the other thing is of course that the Sun entering cancer at the um, summer solstice um, that you know get into the like the 21st 22nd right around there the Sun coming in is you know it's like the the, that's gonna bring some really good energy Mm -hmm. and um, should bring some clarification and just bring light into the, into the fold, so to speak. And also um, the other thing that's important to remember is that Mars is, is, you know, um, Mars is growing old right now. So, um, you know, the, you later in the summer, the other thing that's going to happen if you kind of speed this up, right, is you're going to see uh, as the summer goes on that um, gradually the sun is going to start moving to catch Mars in a conjunction and starting a new okay. cycle. So this isn't a Mars that's, like aging. If you think about that in the context of what's going on this month of June, especially from like full moon to summer solstice, you're also thinking like, okay, now the sun is is entering the same sign as, as Mars, and um, you know the, Mars is starting to weaken. There's there's so you know you also get the feeling of if the trouble is coming from Mars. This is a Mars that might be also reflect something that's ready to end that's that's ready you know and that could be some part of us that is maybe making a really intense demand on our on ourselves or on others or our environment or someone in our environment and but their their reign of terror may also be coming to an end, and that's another way of thinking about it with Mars kind of growing old right now hallelujah. Right. So um, let's see. I want to go to the only other thing that I really have on my list because we really do need to uh, close shop now is when you get to the 23rd and 24th, um, you have Venus making the T-square. We had started talking about this. You can kind of see Venus coming through right around the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, right in that range. Um, Mars has passed the oppositions at this point. Um, which is, is, you know, nice. And I'm feeling like this in, like I said, Mars is, or sun is entering cancer, which I think will be relieving. Mm -hmm. And um, Mercury will change signs too into Leo uh, and get get out of the kind of conjunction with Mars. Um, I think that this has the power to be a clarifying, redeeming, harmonizing, kind of uplifting uh, way of moving towards the end of the month. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be echoing the themes that we've been going through, but it's giving a, a different flavor, right? It's it's offering up a, a unification rather than a, a separation type of experience. You know, there's a, you know, the, the you know Venus's wants Venus basically Aphrodite wants to uh, connect things and wants to become the She wants things to come to her. So, like, this is—you made a really great video about this, about the receptive nature of it. So, I think that there's maybe less pushing that would happen around this time, and more of a an openness um, with this particular one than maybe we've seen with the agenda of the other planets moving through that T-square.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm kind of muting as we go because I'm not sure how loud the lawnmower is. Can you hear it at all? Nah,
1: it's it's just a a mild hum. Okay, okay.
0: okay. Um, good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly it is that there's, you got two benefics in an opposition and that, you know, is usually a good thing. I mean, it can be a little indulgent or excessive, yeah. but I think this is a harmonizing moment that comes out of the the struggles of the month. And so I have it circled as like, ah, like, like there might be some tearing down, but I think that the, the tearing down is constructive. It's like that fight that you need to have with a close friend or a family member, a conversation that's not easy. And or it's like, you know, breaking up with someone and, and as soon as you actually move out and get into your own space, it's like, oh, it was so much harder to break up because we were still living together, you, you know, that kind of thing. So those, those feelings of like needing to make some hard choices, maybe some hard separations occur, but things start mending and and finding harmony again. Um,
1: Venus gains dignity at this point too. She's in her own terms, in her own bounds. So she's able to more set the agenda right for what's going on where you know so she's able to she's more empowered by this time when it perfects and your your uh, another book that I found from from your videos was uh, that Ren Butler book um, archetypal what was it you got it there somewhere um, archetypal universe the archetypal universe I mean he talks about the combination with this is grand happiness uh, right. positive, supportive relationships expansive beauty um but also habitual laziness or conspicuous conception so there's uh you know aphrodite is being lushly adorned um but i guess there's a there's a a, a risk of overspending or of like overdoing it with that and that's just the flip side of the the reconciliation you know like you know say you had a, an argument with your family or your spouse you don't necessarily need to book the you know 10-day vacation to the Bahamas to like work it out you know like you don't need to go like overboard with it
0: that's right yeah that's right don't uh, don't come up with a million dollar solution to a ten dollar problem yes perfect yeah. Uh, yes. th- there's there's something um the other thing that i would mention with this is like well for example my the, i took my daughter to disney world uh, like last year <laughs> um we had a wedding that was there for a friend of ours so we went to Ooh. disney world and i have to say venus was venus was opposite jupiter during that time yeah. and it was it was it was magical and excessive happiness <laughs> you know, like like it was it was disney world and was i was it,
1: pretty, was it the happiest place on earth
0: it was the opinion? happiest place on earth <laughs> like yeah so if i won you know if i won the super bowl that's where i would want to go <laughs> right. um but no let me just say this which is that it was also um there was a seduction to in it right you know what i mean like oh, yeah. uh this happiness will last forever so long as i just like
1: spend four thousand dollars
0: yeah exactly and it was you know so it's a there's a high price sometimes around venus jupiter too so be a, maybe pay a little attention you know, to that but
1: shops did you have to be paraded through
0: right exactly so
1: The underbelly of capitalism that's that right probably insane
0: yeah that's exactly right um
1: you can also see in this chart here that the moon is activating neptune on that On On that, yeah, right. So the Neptune aspect of this is going to be really prominent. So the the you know possibility to fall into the illusion uh, and the the um, fantasy is really prominent. I think the 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 good thing I thought with this there is some good news is Saturn's making a sextile to this and probably assisting with a little bit of a sobering influence um, with this T square. You know, it's not strong because the sextile is a little weaker, but at least it's some practical voice in the room, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I think, um, I'm going to shut my window. Hold on a second. Sure. I don't know if other people could hear it or not, but I can, so it's hard for me to concentrate. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Say the last thing that you just said one more time.
1: Yeah, so Saturn being sextiled to Neptune is bringing a little bit of a sobering influence to this like magical illusion. And it's nice that that voice is in the room because if we think of these planetary uh, Placements as deities giving testimony. Saturn's going to be the one that's kind of off to the side, while all this flowery talk is happening, saying, "Well, yeah, but right, you know? right, <laughs> like, right. Um, So that's like your, you know, you call your accountant after your Disney World trip, and you're like, "Yeah, can I really afford to stay for an extra three days and go to Epcot or whatever?" And right, your right. accountant's like, mm, "I don't know, Adam. You might as well. You should bring the girls home. I think uh, yeah, right. your account."
0: my 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 accountant is also my wife so <laughs> well, there you go she was playing that role right? right we do it together but yeah so um yeah that's a really good point well so tempered enthusiasm about right. the end of the month but i think compared to that log jam of intensity around the full moon and through the summer solstice it should be nice yeah now If you've listened to all of this, everybody, and you've been able to extract something about what's going to happen in June, (laughs) then good. I think we've given you a lot to chew on. Um, We've given you, we've gone through a lot of different ways of thinking about the transits. Here's one thing that I'll tell people, because sometimes you listen to a show like this and there's so many things that are said, you get overwhelmed. You're like, well, you know, what are the big takeaways here? And I think, um, uh, first of all, one of the, you know, we're, when we describe all the different layers of the weather as astrologers, um, you letting that wash over you, it's not so much preparing yourself to say, well, this is exactly what's going to happen, as much as it is um, kind of putting yourself in the position where you can, when things do start happening, you will start recalling things from your forecasts that you hear from the astrologers that you love. Um, that's how astrology tends to work. More than it is prognosticative, it is a reflective tool, which means you know, you're know, you going to remember one of the tarot cards we talked about. You're going to remember some of the elements of the Mars opposition that we talked about or whatever. And it's, it's really putting this in to, as like a spiritual part of your diet, so to speak, prepares you to be reflective upon your experiences as they're coming up because they're going to surprise you no matter what we say. Because, um, you know, I've done this for, you know, a long, long time now and every month, every astrology forecast that I do, even though I have some sense of what's going to happen, it's always still surprising. So, astrology is really not about preparing you for exactly what's going to happen as much as it is about trying to help you work through it and giving you that reflective, um, you know, kind of, so you're, you're, you're going to bring this conversation with us two cancer guys, uh, you know, uh, you'll you'll bring that into your month ahead and hopefully some good things will come out of it. Um,
1: yeah. We're trying, it, to, we're trying to nurture. So that's,
0: that's right. That's right. We want, we we hope for growth and for,
1: uh, you know, and you know, sometimes it's tough love. And, and I think that's something you have to realize too. Don't ever discount cancer as being super mushy, uh, if there's something going on where they feel protective of people. Uh, because I, I'll tell you, there's, there's definitely, like you said, Adam, the mother bear um, can rear its head. And, you know, it's okay to, like, face things in, a, you know, difficult circumstances. You'll, you'll survive, like, I think, for the most part. Like, right. hopefully, maybe you'll have a few battle scars or whatnot, but there hopefully will be another day. And you'll look back on it and say, wow, that was probably some of the most instructive times that I've lived. And you'll have gained in character from it. And that's, that's really the the key, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, So let's, let's end with a few big takeaways from this month. Um, I'm going to give my top three, I'll give my top three takeaways to, to close us. Why don't you, why don't you start us? What are your top three takeaways this month?
1: Um, well, you've got all those planets going through the the T-square with uh, Jupiter and Neptune. So there's, you know, uh, new ideas coming out to the fore and trying to parse through which ones are worth acting upon and which ones need to just be discarded. And don't be afraid to only choose the ones that you really feel a connection with. I think that if, if there's too many things going on, what what makes your heart sing and what can you realistically uh, manifest into the world of form, um, because you might really hurt yourself uh, and and overwhelm yourself with anxiety if you try to do too many things. So, that's the first thing.
0: First one, good.
1: Second thing, you've got the new moon and the full moon, um, and that's going to be kind of the cycle of initiating some of these things and then having them come to fruition. And then with the the Mars-Saturn thing, uh, yeah, there may be some challenging stuff, but I want to give a quick metaphor about that. Um, when And I don't know which I Ching this is, but there's an I Ching that talks about when water meets an obstacle, it pools and it eventually spills around it. And I think that the way is not to you know, bang your head against the wall, it's to pool and wait and be calm and then spill around it uh, in this kind of relaxed and natural way rather than forcing it. And I think that's really the essence of that Mars-Saturn opposition.
0: Well said by someone who is a cancer with the moon in Taurus, right? That's <laughs> that's, right. And I'm a cancer with Taurus rising, so uh, I think that that's good. It's a good. It's good advice for a month in which a lot of Capricorn and Cancer are featured.
1: And come to the Great Lakes Astrology Conference.
0: Yes, that's right. Great Lakes Astrology Conference is at the end of June. We'll both be there hanging out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, that's in Michigan. Where can they find that, by the way? What website?
1: Uh, yeah, greatlakesastrology.com. Uh, got a lot of great speakers. Adam's going to be speaking and doing a couple of lectures. So is, uh, one. Spencer. Um, there's going to be, you know, Ann Ortley, Gary Caton, Sam Reynolds, Gemini Brett, a lot of wonderful speakers. I know I'm forgetting a ton, but I think we're going to have a, a good time And Ann Arbor is really beautiful at that time of the year. And um, I think we're going to have a nice, uh, nice get-together. It's very, very homey. It'll be a nice Cancerian time, you know.
0: Right. So, there you go. You can see uh, Great Lakes Astrology Conference right there. Perfect. Um, So, let's see. What are my takeaways? My top three are, um, first of all, with the T-squares, I'm right there with Spencer. I think this month has the potential to be weirdly stressful considering how exciting things might be right now. Like, like, being on the precipice of a new vision, a new dream, a new breakthrough, a new imaginative dimension that's opening up, but um, feeling like there's a lot of weight around it and, um, and a lot of hard choices that are going to come up. So that's my first one. My second one is the um, Mars Pluto opposition as an emotional, transformative, cathartic experience that may put you in touch with fears, but they may be good. Maybe some emotional maturing that happens and also you know, having to, um, if there's any part of us that's trying to stonewall and not look at something that's demanding our attention, I think it, we're not going to be able to do that this month. And these are this month, finally, third for me is this month is foreshadowing for next month's eclipses, um, which, so the, the deeper emotional territory, the the kinds of attachments that we have, and that maybe some are healthy, some are unhealthy, and also issues around family, home, uh, the past, I think those things in the Mars-Pluto opposition this month, they may be kind of acute, and they're, they're also pointing to deeper changes ahead with the eclipses next month, uh, which we'll talk about. And um, yeah, Spencer, this was really fun. I think we should do it again next month. This is great. Thanks, Adam, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Well, um, and where can everybody find you, Spencer, just so that they know how to get in touch with you as well?
1: Yeah, I have a website, spencermichaud.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, at spencermichaud.com. Uh, Twitter is the same thing, and and Facebook. So, yeah, you can find me on all the the regular uh, channels. But I use I use my name, um, and I have a YouTube channel, Spencer Michaud Astrology. Um, so yeah, there you go, there it is. And I'm open for readings and things like that as well. So, awesome. This is fun, man.
0: Thank you. Yeah, this was this was great. For I'll I'll pl- plug one last thing, which is that I have a new course starting on June 9th. Let me pull it up here so you can see it. Um, it's, uh, called ancient astrology for modern times. Um, Spencer's taken my program. He's a, a avid student of lots of different things, but he's been in my program and, uh, talked about it. You can go check out a previous interview that we did it together. Um, yeah, it starts on June 9th. There's an early bird rate that's still in effect today is the last day you can get it. Um, you can check this out at nightlightastrology.com under the certification course tab. So I'd love to study with some of you and, uh, yeah, month of June should be should be interesting. So thank you everybody for listening, and uh, let us know how the month goes, and we'll uh, we'll see you again for July. Take care everyone. All right. Bye. Goodbye.